so that I could travel across pretty much all of Asia while still running the business um, without having to attend to it every single day. And I even spent two weeks in a meditation and yoga retreat in Nepal and came out of that retreat with more money and more business than when I went in. Hello, this is Dr. Rowe and you're listening to the Growth Tribes podcast with Dr. Rowe and Harms. This is the podcast where two completely different generations tackle the most challenging topics that people are facing today. Above all else, the main reason that we chose to develop and record these podcasts is because we both have a passion for helping people go through life transformation, for improving their lives, for taking their lives to a completely different level. And it's our hope, our genuine sincere hope, that by the end of each of these episodes, you'll have gained at least one insight that you can take away and apply directly into your own life. Practical tools, voices that come in from both generations, the younger generation with tips and tools and the older generation with a sense of wisdom and experience, so that you can help unlock your true potential to give the opportunity to make changes both on a personal, professional, financial and relationship level and to give you a chance to impact both your lives and the lives of other people around you. So we welcome you. Welcome to the Growth Tribes podcast. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Growth Tribes podcast. It's Harms here and normally I would do an introduction, but I'm going to hand over to Ro today for the introduction. Hi, Ro. Hi, everybody. Thank you for that, Harms. And you'll understand why in just a moment. So, you know, we're really recording this particular podcast right now in uh, an incredibly upside down economic climate, health climate, people's brains, emotions, families seem to be all over the place. And there's a lot of concern. And in this current climate, the time that certainly we're recording this, people are being forced to work from home. We, we have we have literally globally had a set of rules put upon us that none of us necessarily wanted, but we understand have to be put in place in order to look after our safety. So that's led to job losses, huge reliable industries that you know, household names that many of us have known for years, struggling, airline industries, famous people that we look up to in all sorts of entrepreneurial backgrounds, going to government and asking for payouts and wanting to stay afloat. Companies with hundreds of thousands of employees and workers who literally are sat at home, although they're sat there trying to stay safe and looking after their families, at the same time, they're thinking, what the are we going to do next? What's happening? And this really boils down to one thing. And that's change. And many of you know that this is a passionate area for us because the growth tribes is very much about the evolution of the human being, the human soul. And through that comes this need for change. So if you narrow this down and we focus just on change in your career, in your job, in your business. I'm a professional speaker. Many of you know, listening to this and I was looking just on my intray yesterday and I saw an email that came in from the Professional Speakers Association and there's a talk next week by one of the senior speakers who's talking about their business. Their career has literally just dropped through the floor as a professional speaker because, of course, they're used to going out in front of audiences. And as I was reading that, I was thinking maybe they need to be listening to the podcast that we're going to record tomorrow, because today's podcast that we're talking about is really very much about giving you opportunities whilst you're in this transitional stage to look at a chance to, to expand and potentially increase your income and generate a revenue for you. So this impacts 
everybody every single person listening to this will have been impacted by the coronavirus and what it's done to your career your business or the company that you're working for so our income is a big thing it's a big question in people's minds right now and the question they're asking is what else can i do how can i create security how can i put something in place right now such that if i can't get back into my job i've got an additional income or if i've got a career already or a business already how can i monetize that experience and that knowledge because the truth is none of us quite know what the landscape can look like in three six twelve months time so if you're a follower of the growth tribes which hopefully you have been for a while and if you're brand new and this is the first time you listen to us welcome then you know that one of the areas we talk about and we love to talk about is change as i've just mentioned and change is for us something that you have to evolve into you have to learn to understand it and then grow into it so to help us go through the current change that we're going through at the moment and to tackle this subject of what can i do how can i create an additional income what can i do whilst i'm at home and maybe after this finishes can i have something else that's going on we have a very very special guest to talk to you today um and probably you know the number one in this strategy and i would say to you that if you're looking at online business online at the moment if you're looking at the internet you'll probably know there's a myriad of people talking about this we have today kyle barmer now i'm gonna pass you back over to harminder in a moment to introduce him a little bit more but i've known kyle for several years now and when we bring a guest onto this show one of the things that we're really keen to do is bring somebody on who has a really level head who has a pragmatic approach to things and has a process behind what they do. And this is a mystical subject. So bear this in mind that most people have got no idea where to start. They, they just don't know what to do when it comes to online business. There's a lot of crap. Out, there's a lot of rubbish on the Internet about this. People are exaggerating how quickly something can be achieved. Do this and you'll suddenly make this in the space of two days. So we needed to bring somebody on that we trusted that could get a message out to you as Growth Tribes listeners and also start to give you some pragmatic tools and maybe a few things you can start to work on even now whilst you're listening to this in the heart of this lockdown that we're experiencing globally. So Kyle, it's a privilege to have you here. Thank you for joining us. Thank you. Thank you both. It's a privilege to be uh, on the show as well. Very excited. Uh, I'm really excited that we've got you in. I'm going to hand over to Harminda because Harminda has a special relationship with you and I think it's probably appropriate that he does the, the formal introduction to yourself. Awesome, Ro, thanks. Okay, so, and Ro, you may not be aware about this as well, but we've literally this week are uh, in the process of publishing a book to help people make money during coronavirus. So what I've actually done is pull the bio from that particular book. So let me let me just read through that because I asked Kyle a couple of weeks ago to write a bio for that book that we're publishing. So here it is. So, okay, discussing Kyle in a snapshot right here. So, Carl's biggest triumph is, you know, if, if I'm putting myself in his shoes, I've never really had a job and I'm pretty much unemployable. So that's a good, strong statement to start with. And he said, let's step back a moment. I've always been a bit rubbish working in a structured environment and being told what to do. And there's no doubt there's listeners at home nodding their head to that statement there as well. Because ultimately what Carl says is, I've always had my own side hustles, my own businesses, and in fact, I almost got arrested for one of these ventures at the tender age of 11. So that might be a follow up question after this bio, Carl, because <laughs> I'm not even aware of that myself. I've had some successes and failures in the world of business. I even have an MBA 
from a top 10 American business school. <laughs> and he says it's a joke. A lot of good that's done me, um, considering he hasn't stepped into employment. Most recently, I moved my business online, teaching myself digital marketing and launching my first proper online business a few years back. This was a revelation. I could build businesses the way I wanted to, creating a lifestyle I desired, all whilst providing massive value to the world. And that's pretty cool, even if I did pretty much stumble into it by accident. So there's two things I wanted to address there straight after this. Armed with this knowledge, I set off to help other people set up their own online businesses, hopefully avoiding the mistakes I made over the years, whether it's working directly with clients, via his agency, delivering workshops, writing guides and books, or recording video courses, which I love helping people to get to grips with, which is a world of online business and digital marketing. So Carl, that's a fantastic bio. Thanks for writing that for the book. And it's, it's great to read that out to the listeners at home. So there's two things, you know, one of the questions I was going to ask you is, can you tell us a bit about yourself, which is not featured in that bio? So two things I'm curious about is talk to us about getting arrested at the age of 11. And then the next element, which is, and I'm just flicking through the bio here, talk to us about how you just fell into the world of online business by accident. Sure. So two questions there. I'm so glad. Thank you for reading that bio for me. As you know, I'm not a big one for talking about myself um, and even listening to that was uh, slightly awkward for me. So thank you so much <laughs> for reading it out for me. The 11 year old, I had always um, had my own businesses. Even when I was growing up, I was the kid who would go to the, the cash and carry, buy bulk sweeties and then sell them at school from wow really really early on um, but age 11 I got into trouble because I might have been pirating video games I'd learned how to crack them online and I got a very stern letter from some authorities around that time I don't think they realized I was 11 years old but that uh, scared me straight thankfully <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah pretty bad <laughs> Awesome. In addition to that, you spoke about finding online business and digital marketing by accident, which has essentially allowed you not to work in a typical structured employment. Could you expand on that for the listeners? Sure. So after university, um, I worked in film and TV for a few years and that went very well. But then I decided, no, I need to get a proper job and went off and got an MBA over in New York with the idea of going straight into you know, a proper job into a bank or a consultancy company, one of the one of those big companies. That got derailed for various reasons, and I moved over to China instead and set up my first online business, mainly because I needed some income, um, and it was hard for me to work over there otherwise. And I learned the tools of how to set up an online business um, by just doing it and making a lot of mistakes along the way and it was really, there was a point when I decided foolishly, potentially, although it was very exciting, to take the train from Beijing down to Tibet, go overland through Tibet, through Nepal, and then India to get to a friend's wedding in Mumbai. I kind of figured it's uh, it's all Asia. It can't be that far away. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but during this time, I just set up an online business. So I had that forced me to automate it so that I could travel across pretty much all of Asia while still running the business um, without having to attend to it every single day. And I even spent two weeks in a meditation and yoga retreat in Nepal and came out of that retreat with more money 
and more business than when I went in, even though I had no connection to the world. And I think for me, that was the revelation. It was the the idea that I could create something, put it out into the world, and then literally, in this case, retreat from the world. And that business, that value would continue to proliferate, to spread and to generate me an income. Um, so that was a big moment for me. I think listening to that is interesting because your circumstances were in front of you and it was either leave it alone or do something to still maintain that revenue and in the same way people are listening to this thinking you know how do I as I said in the introduction how do I create more income how do I get that security although they might not be on a trek across Asia to get to the <laughs> pole they're still on a trek through their life right now to try and somehow create some security and this is no different really it's about making decisions that change the way your financial situation is in the future and that's exactly what you did isn't it Absolutely. And it's so it's fascinating hearing you talk about that change and how the regular nine to five jobs have changed so much. I am literally right now sitting in Kanae Wharf overlooking kind of the main square in Kanae Wharf and it's empty. It's deserted. Normally at this kind of time or a little bit earlier, it would just be swarmed with people. And just for context, for listeners at home, Canary Wharf, that's where their high rise buildings are. Some of the biggest banks have their companies located there and mm-hmm. there's a there's a square which sits in between all of these skyscrapers which has coffee shops restaurants bars and what you're saying is it's completely like a ghost town yep so from here i can see hsbc jp morgan barclays deloitte i think it is and the canary wharf tower itself and they're all shut down all empty nobody here and compared to the usual swarm of people um, rushing to and through it's it's just such a night and day change and just to give our listeners context because part of the growth tribes theme is this old voice young voice different experiences just put give us your age so that everybody knows where you you're positioned on that scale between (laughs) myself and harminder or below harminder age wise sure i am yeah 34 sorry i had to think about that it was my birthday back in march (laughs) so so for the millennials listening you know it's, it's good for you to hear this message coming from kyle today and just for context, Carl, you know, you spoke about the the setting up the online business. At what mm. age did you first stumble across that where you said, look, I was forced to put this into place. Otherwise, I've got no income. Sure. So this was my first proper. I'm calling it proper because I had dabbled before, but this was the first one to generate revenue and profit. First business was um, helping people learn Chinese, how to read and write in Chinese. And I would have been 28 Mm. Yeah, around 28. Speaking of um, mystical, you use the word mystical mm. about digital marketing and how it's, as you say, it's, it's very obtuse and obscure and it almost seems like magic to people yeah. looking at it from the outside. I found a lot of parallels between teaching Chinese characters and teaching digital marketing and online business. Because, oh, really? Yeah, from the outside, Chinese characters also look you know, totally inscrutable, totally magical. Alien. No way. Yeah. yeah, yeah, absolutely alien. But once you start to understand the logic and how the methodology of learning how to read and write in Chinese, it, it's actually a very, I won't say simple, but it's a very structured and uh, logical system. And digital marketing is, is the same. But it's funny hearing that word mystical because that was always applied to Chinese characters, to reading mm. and writing Chinese. Mm, there you go. There's a bit of a theme for you, I think, mm. in your life. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Taking taking complex subject matters, learning them, mastering them, and then rebuilding the way that they're taught in order to make them more accessible. I think that's that systematic learning and teaching is something I find very appealing. It's how my brain works. 
Amazing. Ro, so this is a curious question I've got for yourself before we actually dive into the topic of online business and setting one up. What was it like in your generation when when you was approaching this topic? Because you would have lived through the emergence of online businesses, the internet. Can you put that into context for us or listeners of our generation who almost take this subject for granted as well? It's funny, isn't it? Because it must be hard for you to imagine not having any of this technology around you. Yeah. But, but, you know, we, we grew up in a time when the ZX81 was the, the computer to have and then it was the Commodore 64. <laughs> and I can still remember writing BBC programming language at a young age. And, and actually, you know, if I'd really appreciated where we are today and, and, and what people like yourself have done, Carl, I had that aptitude because I had that kind of left brain side of me. And you, you've known me long enough to know that as well. There's that kind of systemized logical side. Had I really appreciated it, I probably should have dived in at that stage. But I was drawn towards engineering and, and the construction side of the industry. And at that time, computers were being used with, we had these cards that you run through a machine. My mum wor- worked for a company called ICL Computers. Everything was just massive and clunky. And the concept of going online just didn't exist. And then slowly this portal opened up and the internet opened up and the World Wide Web and everyone was like, well, is it really going to work? And as as in the, you know, the vinyl industry with the record industry with vinyl records, people hung on and, and history shows this people hang on to tradition. So, that, you know, when records, when the idea of a CD came out, everyone was like, that's not going to work. When the, when the idea of online portals came up and people started to communicate via email, remember the first emails, it was like, oh, my God, you mean I don't have to write a letter? And then people are like, well, is this really going to work? And there's a period of just nobody wanted to use this online business. Everyone was just clinging to the traditional business. And there was a fear-driven behavior going on where, okay, but if it does take off, what's that going to do to our business? So for many, many years, people carried on, even though we had the World Wide Web as you know, everyone referred to it then now everyone just says the internet but back in those days it was like the world wide web and everyone talked about this and and traditional businesses just hung on to the normal trade and some companies started to filter through and i remember about 2000 i went to a a seminar where a chap was talking about you can sell your business online you know you could you could come up with an idea and then you could record it and in those days it was really clunky machinery like a digital recording device with a tape thing and then you'd put it into the computer and then he said that you could actually sell that online everyone was like nah you know what that's not going to work because people want to hold something so they want to hold a cd mm-hmm. and for ages i still remember going through this although we'd made a transition to where you could actually sell because i was obviously speaking but I mean, I've been speaking for 30 years, but we had some digital, we had some CD products and we were arguing the case that no, no, people want to hold a CD. They want to look at the packaging and we'd buy this packaging like software. We'd we'd promote it online. And even though by then we could get to the point where you could sell it as an MP3, for example, nah, nobody's going to want that because the other challenge was there wasn't hardware to be able to allow people to listen to mp3s the way there is today so even the process of having hardware match the online technology the two weren't synchronized so you might be able to create an mp3 and do something to promote your business you might have a a retail store selling clothes and you might want to do videos but people there wasn't enough people with tools in their hands to be able to press a button now and say oh look at this oh i can buy this pair of shoes and let me just watch this video oh they look really nice you couldn't do that so from a traditional perspective 
our view was as the old school people need to see it feel it touch it they haven't got the equipment to watch it so what's the point in me investing in an online type business because not enough people are actually able to access that information is that making sense yeah that makes total sense so now now we've almost oh, we've, we've moved ahead massively we've moved ahead and those kind of discussions of thoughts are just completely alien in the sense that why would you ever doubt that something like the internet would exist why would you ever doubt that an online business would exist and it's interesting because you mentioned the sense that there was a fear that people were clinging on to the old style of business and i think we're going to observe that even though people know how powerful it is there's the likes of amazon out there the likes of ebay but even though people know how powerful the online world is i think there's still going to be this clinging on to the old way of doing business as we transition through this period so i i, I still think it's not going to evolve completely I but agree. those that do say actually this is real and do take that step to evolve i think they will start to see this additional income coming into their life they will start to see income providing security like no other and that's that's all possible which leads me into the Actually, first can I just just jumping yes. on very quickly onto that so i'd be interested to see if we can pick the subject up somewhere through the interview with kyle is consistency and I don't know if it's in what you want to share with us today, Carl, but I, I think that's one of the biggest challenges is that people, it's the shiny syndrome, shiny penny syndrome. People love the idea of it, love the concept, but it's being consistent enough to make that transition over. For all the listeners listening, um, I've worked quite closely now for a few years with Kyle and with Harminda. And one of the things they commented on to me was that had I carried on doing what I did, I think it was 10, 12, 15 years ago, Harminda, where I started doing YouTube yeah. videos. So I started doing videos back then, but I just wasn't consistent enough and the technology wasn't really there to do it easily. And so I stopped. And the comment that both Kyle and Harminda said is, had you carried on doing that, you know, you'd have hundreds of thousands, if not more followers now in that area that you were talking about then. And I, I didn't because I, I wasn't consistent. So that was a massive learning for me as well. So that leads us on to the idea of online business, what, what we're really here now to almost extract from Kyle, which is which is interesting because back then there wasn't really an understanding of online business because nobody had seen the start, middle and end. So somebody, so for example, let's take a YouTube, somebody who is starting on YouTube as users or as potential people who wanted to create a business on YouTube, we had not seen the start, the middle and the end. What did it mean for the end user? How much money did they make? What kind of business could they generate from YouTube? And I think that's what stopped people from being consistent but I think that's completely changed now so Kyle question for you handing the mic back to you simple question but so complex if asked to somebody who's maybe not aware this is where the mystical stuff comes in so the question is what is an online business yeah it's a very boring answer but it's basically a business the online that we place in front of of the word business doesn't mean that much anymore. It Previously it did. Um, Ro was just talking about the development of the internet. And, I'm, and so I'm a little bit older than you, Harms. I remember dial-up internet at least when I, I couldn't use the internet if my mum was on the phone, for example. I had it, I had it. So, had yeah, it, that, yeah, that kind of transitionary period. But <laughs> So early on in the development of the internet and online business, there were the innovators, the early adopters, early majorities, so product lifestyle, the, no, what's it called, the life span 
of a new technology, it tends to follow a very similar pattern where you have people jumping on it really early on, getting very excited, everybody else poo-pooing it and saying, well, no, this is never going to take off. The problem with the internet in particular is in the early 2000s, we did have a massive crash due to people getting Mm. overly excited about the internet. We had cautionary tales like pets.com and many, many businesses who they were selling the idea of the internet and that's what their stock prices that's what their um their funding and their fundraising was based on it's just it's the internet and anything we do on this is going to work and that bubble quickly collapsed and we had um a crash in 2000 2001 around then the dot-com bubble yeah and the problem there was that people were focusing on online business. They were focusing on internet business. It has the word internet slapped on the front, therefore it must be good, it is new, and there's no way this can fail. But they weren't sound businesses underlying. So we were ignoring the actual business element and just focusing on the online or the internet. And I think Mm. we need to step back. And whenever somebody comes to me and they're like, I want to start an internet business, I want to start an online business, I say, okay, well, what's the business? And that kind of stops people in their tracks because often they're like, they'll, they'll talk to me about platforms like, oh, yeah, I want to use YouTube to do this and then sell products on Amazon. And I, again, my question is, well, what's the business? What is the value that you're creating? What additional yeah, value and worth are you putting out into the world that you're going to be monetizing, uh, that you're going to be turning into a product or service? So there is this shiny penny syndrome, um, as Roe just called it, of we tend to chase the newest platform the newest channel, the newest tool, so whether it's TikTok or Snapchat, these are channels, these are not businesses in and of themselves. So in answer to the question, what is an online business? It is fundamentally a business first. We just happen to use online channels um, in order to promote, in order to reach out to people. Mm, and you've done a fantastic summary there, because I mean, I lived through the the big com bubble and and then the bust mm. and a lot of that was driven out of the usa as well as, as you know uh, silicon valley and a lot of the, the language that came from there there was this huge surge of hype around it and i think that is also one of the things that created this cautionary approach to it after that happened it almost went people sort of jumped on it and then jumped away from it and then as with most things when there's been a bit of a shock, same thing we're going to have with coronavirus, is people then stand on the sidelines and watch. And that's very much what happened. And, and I think what you're saying here is spot on. It's It has to be still based on sound, logical business structure, approach and planning. Mm-hmm. And off the back, and off the back of that, it then gets taken online, with, with what you're going to be talking about. So, so you could probably help us out here. What are some of the common misconceptions then that people typically have when it comes to online business? Because, because I hear them a lot when I'm out speaking on on real estate, and people go, "I've got an online business," and I say, oh, "Yeah, well, we have that as well," and I've got friends that build them, and then I hear all this stuff that comes at me. What are the, some of the typical misconceptions? So, I think there's roughly two types of misconceptions. There are people who haven't really started an online business or haven't they haven't delved in and they will tend to get pulled in by misconceptions about getting rich quickly the fact that you can you know lie sit on a on a a beach with a, a margarita and not ever have to work again so ideas of passive income this is one category of misconceptions and then the other category is people who have tried online they've kind of played around maybe they've spent some money it did not work for them so they come from the other end 
of saying, oh, well, online never works. It's a scam and you shouldn't trust it. It's not going to work for your business. So I think there's roughly two sets of misconceptions there. There's the people who are overly optimistic and the people who are overly pessimistic. And there are different sets of assumptions and misconceptions assigned to both of those parties. Yeah, I mean, because we hear about people selling on Amazon and other people trying to get massive number of followers. There's just so much information out there. Again, selling on Amazon, so fulfilled by Amazon, to use a very specific example, FBA it's called. So FBA is a technique, it is a tool. It is not in and of itself a business. Um, So uh, for those who aren't in the know, fulfilled by Amazon is basically I will find certain product categories I want to sell. I will either buy them from a manufacturer and then ship them to Amazon and then Amazon's going to sell them on. Or I might not even do that. I might just be setting up a general sourcing list. So I'm not buying any inventory, but I'm, I'm just reserving items, which when they're purchased are sent to Amazon, sent out to people. So I, I act as a middleman there. People rely too much on the tool and the technology there without right. thinking about what the actual business is like what products am I going to source how am I going to brand them um, how am I going to build up an audience following the people who are interested in this product they think they can just set up the fulfilled by Amazon system and that's it they'll be able to retire onto a beach and that's right. not the case so terms like you know search engine optimization SEO Facebook ads that type of thing people tend to sort of throw that into a conversation without realizing that these are all separate elements of the process of building the business correct correct so just like in in business so if you study business or you run a business there's a lot of jargon there's a lot of terminology there are a lot of tools that you can use a lot of different techniques that's exactly the same with online business it's just a more specialized subset so whether it's seo that is search engine optimization um, also known as getting to the top of google whether it's running facebook ads whether it's display ads whether it's building a following on youtube again these are all tools and techniques but by themselves they don't mean anything they don't do anything without again and sorry to be boring here but without that framework of having a coherent business plan first yeah so what you're telling us as we're listening to this and i I think you're right actually if i think about the conversations i've had that the misconceptions typically are two extremes one is it absolutely doesn't work don't go anywhere near it and the other one is oh yeah you're going to just make huge amounts of money quickly Mm. there's no pragmatic they they probably started with that i'm going to make loads of money then they didn't make lots of money (laughs) and they turned to the as rubbish pessimistic so so well what i like there is in the world that we've also helped educate people in which is say say real estate or property investing what we find is if somebody comes to us and they've done a bad property deal in the past then property is a subject and the vehicle in terms of property as a, as a wealth creating vehicle no longer works. It's for, a scam for anybody, <laughs> for, anybody exactly. for their kids, for their friends at the pub, for if they had heard our podcast that we did a couple of weeks ago, which was on real estate investing, they would have been, you know, they would have been the first people to say in the comments, this does not work. There's a scam. Don't listen to these people. So the same thing happens. It sounds like with online business, when it comes to maybe somebody trying to sell a product on Amazon, they've maybe purchased a whole bunch of stock. They thought, yep, I'm going to stick it on Amazon. They're going to sell. And next thing you know, they've got a hundred cardboard boxes sitting in their house, which haven't sold. Now for them, online business is never going to work again for anybody. It, it just doesn't work. It's for those, it's for the Jeff Bezos in this world and nobody else. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
Actually, I mean, whilst you're speaking, actually, Harms, maybe you could just talk about your BBO show a little bit to our listeners, because I know it's something that you're both passionate about. Mm, okay, fantastic. Okay, so for the listeners at home, so here's a little uh, revealing of a secret. Okay, uh, And that's myself and Carla, also business partners on this topic, which is online business. So we've got an agency and we also have lots of mechanisms of teaching this subject. As you've heard from Carla as well, he's extremely passionate and also can dissect this complicated subject and share it with people. So I'm actually going to hand over to Carl and, and allow him to talk about the BBO show because we both host it, but Carl is our guest on today. So I'll let him chat about it. Otherwise I could talk about it for days. So essentially like busting myths and talking to people on the subject of online business, digital marketing is something we both do on a show, which is similar to the Growth Tribes podcast, but slightly different. So maybe Carl, you can explain that. And that's called the BBO show. So Carl, over to you. I guess the question is, number one is, why did we start the show? Um, but you can talk from your perspective. And what is the show? Absolutely. So we are already starting to throw around acronyms and jargon. You've probably heard FBA, you've heard SEO. We've been talking about these things already, and it's hard not to discuss them in the context of online business and uh, digital marketing. The problem, and as Ro mentioned, digital marketing and online business can become mysticized. It becomes very obscure and very magic almost um, from the outside. We decided to set up the BBO show, which is the Building Businesses Online Show, in order to start to cut through some of the nonsense out there, to shine a light on some of the darker, more obscure issues, and to kind of give a, a pathway into online business and digital marketing by dealing with one topic at a time. We're not trying to give you every single option for every single thing you could possibly do because it's a massive subject. Online business is, again, business. So you need to know about business and then you need to know the online tools as well. So that's a lot to learn. So each week, uh, Hans and I will sit down with a topic and we will go into a deep dive. And at the moment, we are doing daily shows every single day at midday. We will sit down and <laughs> initially, we plan to do 20-minute po um, podcasts that did not happen. It has turned into at least an hour each and every day. So Harms and I spend a lot of time chatting about these subjects um, on a daily basis. And we are on YouTube. We shoot live video on YouTube so you can see us talking about these um, topics, warts and all in live video. And then that will go on to Facebook and to our blog and various different other platforms. Um, so for example, this week we've been talking about if you are an expert or you have expertise or knowledge or skills in a certain uh, subject area, a certain topic, and I know there's a lot of experts right now who are either furloughed or they're not working as much as they used to, um, so this is a great time to jump in on this. Uh, we're teaching experts how they can package up their knowledge, how they can package up their skills and their expertise into products and services which can be sold online. And again, this is just our way of demystifying certain topics, giving people a clear pathway and helping them to set up their first, hopefully first of many online businesses. That's brilliant. I love what you're doing. And uh, I, I, I know you only started not so long back, obviously helping out with COVID and giving people support. So if you are listening, I think that's a great addition to what we're doing here. This is almost opening the door on that. But I do, I mean, obviously I'm I'm not involved with it, but I'm going to endorse it and say, jump on and take the time to have a listen. I get the privilege of having private conversations with these two on a regular basis, and they've got huge amounts of knowledge on the subject, and they're slowly unpackaging that online, which is great. 
So we we did actually start it because of Corona. We realized there's a lot of people sitting at home who, yes, they might still be working, but they're not at their full potential. They're not working as much as they they normally do. So there's a bit of time to create, to think, and to build something, uh, to build a business online. So we are doing it specifically. And we started how many weeks ago? Three or four weeks ago? If I, from the time this airs, it probably about four to five weeks ago now when we started, right in the heart of COVID-19. Yeah. I mean, yes, to give people something to work on, but also after, after this crisis, after these troubles we're going through now, if you can come out of this having built something, having created a product or a service or an online business, I think that you're going to be in an extremely strong position moving forward. And I think we're going to touch on the importance of online business after this uh, particular crisis shortly in this show. I'm sure it's hard to avoid it. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And 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 for listeners listening, if you hang on and, and continue to listen to the rest of this episode, myself and Kyle have actually got a gift for you, which we're sharing with the BBO Show listeners. And BBO Show essentially stands for Building Businesses Online Show. Well, of course, that's a mouthful. So we've just shortened it to BBO Show. So if you ever hear that or you see that floating around the internet, especially at 12 o'clock on YouTube, then you know it's to do with building a business online. So it's fantastic. So on that note, Kyle, what are the benefits? You know, you, you've mentioned that somebody's going to come out of this if having learned this and having learned, followed, put into action some of the things that we're speaking about, plus the things we're going to talk about on this Growth Tribes podcast show today. But what what are some of the benefits that maybe you've experienced? There's going to be some general benefits, of course, for online business. But what have you personally experienced when your online business started to generate a revenue for you? I think for me personally, based on my values, um, it is freedom. The ability to create value, to put value out into the world, and for that to generate income over time without me having to oversee it every single day. So I did... A, briefly talk about that trip through Asia. That's when I first realized the freedom that an online business can provide. So for me, freedom is an, a number a number one value. That's going to be different for different people, obviously. So just expand on that, because when you say, you know, it, it can continue to create income, you mm-hmm. don't necessarily have to be there to create income. Now, that may be a con- completely alien concept to somebody, because if somebody's typically used to exchanging time for money, i.e. I'm going to rock up, I'm going to complete this task, and I'm going to get paid for it. How does that actually work online? What What is the what is the benefit of an online business talking around that specific point? Sure, sir. Absolutely. I mean, a very concrete example, I look at my phone in the morning, I looked at my phone this morning, and I'd made £98 overnight while I was sleeping. This is because most of my customers are in the US for one of my particular businesses. And I get little notifications each each morning saying, hey, you sold this amount of product and you made this amount of money. I literally make money while I'm sleeping, which for somebody who, as you just mentioned, if you're in the paradigm of we exchange our time for money, this is quite an exciting idea that you can generate income, you can generate cash even when you're sleeping or lying on a beach. Um, And the way this happens with online business is you create a unit of value. So whether that is an ebook, a course, maybe it's some resources, maybe it's a membership site. I mean, we can talk about the different types of products and services in great detail, but you create a unit of value and that lives online. And because it's living online and because the internet is open 24 seven, people can purchase it at any time uh, without you having to be 
physically there to transact with them in any way. Um, so it's very different to running a physical business where you have to answer the phone or you need to be in your shop in order to make a sale. So it's very liberating in that sense. And and do you think somebody listening at home, say, look, the average salary in the UK at this time is any anywhere between 25, depending on where you live in the country, but any, anywhere between £25,000 per annum to about twenty nine to £30,000 per annum. That's typically the average salary in the UK. Do you believe it's, it's possible for the listeners at home just so they're aware of the income potential online and look, many people will already know that the Jeff Bezos and the other online entrepreneurs of this world are making credible amounts of money but for the everyday person is it possible to surpass the average salary in the UK or even supplement it? Absolutely um, it requires you to and again I'm going to hark back to this it requires you to create something of value though and to have the structures of a business in order to do that but yes absolutely you can use the tools of online business generate that amount of money okay let, let's say you, you need so uh, somebody's pays 50 pound a month just needs 600 people so a 30,000 pound per annum is 600 people paying you 50 pound a month as an example which is similar to an offline gym but there's no reason you can't create that level of value online as an example so kyle obviously i'm listening to this as a 54 year old there are our growth tribes listeners range dramatically from you know early teens right through into people in their 50s and 60s for someone listening to this who's older maybe they've been in business a long time very traditional got a lot of experience a lot of knowledge in certain areas may have had ideas possibly wanting to write a book or digitize something there are still massive benefits that it might be that they're nervous about making the transition but they can't and shouldn't make the assumption that this is only for the younger generation to take on uh, can you just talk into that space because i do hear that a lot and it's almost like oh but you don't understand i've you know I've, I've missed the opportunity it's too late to go online with my my business or my ideas and my product which i think is bullshit personally but maybe you can just talk from your perspective as a logical approach to this Absolutely. So if we are coming at online business from the point of view of it being a set of tools and techniques or shiny pennies, um, as you referred to them earlier, then if we're coming from that perspective, it is about speed. It's about um, excitement. It, it seems like a young man's game or a young woman's game. Um, however, that is the wrong way to come at online business. As we have mentioned, it's about value. It's about having something of value that you can sell to a market. So somebody who has years and years and years of experience naturally has more value that they can package up, whether that's into a book, um, as you just mentioned, or some kind of online uh, learning course, online coaching, some kind of membership site. The people who have that level of experience, they naturally have an even more valuable product or service to offer the market. People will want to access that that value that they have yeah i agree a fantastic, i think that's a fantastic way of actually putting it because because young people may and this is an assumption may grasp the tools quicker because maybe they're using the technology more frequently but what we lack in the experience the elder generation has built that over time so they've essentially got something very powerful to share which is the wisdom the knowledge and maybe they've seen so many different market cycles that they can identify an amazing product uh, identify an amazing service which they feel has been missing from a marketplace so i think there's massive pros because what carl is I believe saying is the tools and techniques can be learnt but it's very hard to learn experience and some of the expertise which is you know within the humans on this planet yeah 
and the, the tools and techniques are always changing as well so even once you've learned one there's going to be a new one next year so it is the fundamentals and that experience and the value you can bring to the market that is always going to win so okay so th- i mean that leads us quite nicely i guess into a, a, a question which is if somebody's wanting to explore at this stage they're listening to this and thinking okay right i'm kind of getting excited and i want to get started so if somebody wanted to explore starting an online business what advice can you give them bearing in mind how many you set over, up over the years can you kind of give us maybe a bit of a, a structured approach to this but what what advice can they start to take on board now and if, if you're listening to this and you're not driving and you're not running you might want to get a pen and paper out and just capture this down because you may have a huge amount of knowledge and value inside you and as we listen through this next part of the podcast hopefully you'll get some nuggets here that you can start to implement so over to you Carl. The first form of online business I often or we often recommend people start up is something based on their own expertise, something based on their own professional abilities and skills. Basically unlocking all of that knowledge they have in them and turning that into some kind of information product. We could start straight away with e-commerce, so that is selling generally physical items, but I would argue that's more of an intermediate, more of an advanced type of online business. Whereas just unlocking the value that you already have, especially if you are an older listener and you have all all of that value in you, that's going to be an easier route to market. There's a couple of technical reasons why um, basically selling information and selling digital products means that you have basically zero overheads and therefore the profit margins are extremely high. We Mm. tend to see 80 to 90 percent profit margins on information-based digital products, whereas if you are selling physical products, it's going to be a much lower profit margin, which means there's less margin for error as well, and it's easier to go bust. Right, so physical products versus information. Information can be updated, it can be adjusted and then re uh, reconfigured or re-recorded, can't it? So there's yep. more flexibility there. Absolutely. So my Chinese business, helping people learn to read and write in Chinese, it started as me selling these large format posters. Uh, they were A0, the paper, which is a very big size. It's humongous. Yeah. Mm. They, they, were, they were rolled up. I, I had a few thousand of them printed in a factory in China. Um, they were rolled up, put into these cardboard tubes and then sent around the world. It, potentially the worst possible physical product to send because it's very long. It could easily bend. It was quite fragile and it was very heavy because of the size of the paper. So I would sell one of these for $30, let's say, and 20 to $25 would immediately disappear in shipping. If it was damaged or returned, then the rest of the money is gone. I'd even be negative. It was, it was a dreadful uh, business from a business point of view. All I did was pivot and change the physical posters into a digital version. So I would sell the PDF files so you could go and print them um, at a local print shop and I would give instructions about how to do that. Mm. So that's an example of going from a physical product to a digital product. And the profit margins went from 10% or even negative profit to to 80 or 90% overnight. So I always recommend people start with something digital. So that's... We're talking about text, we're talking about audio, we're talking about video, which can be delivered online rather than a physical book or, as you mentioned earlier, physical CDs um, that we're sending to people. Yeah. So if somebody's listening and thinking, well, I've got all this knowledge and information, where do I start? I mean, is that something that we can expand briefly as we're, we're in the middle of the podcast here? Or do you want to come back to that later? Because th- that's probably an itching question is like, what sort of digital product do I create? What, I, what should I be sharing? 
Sure. The traditional urge um, or how people scratch that itch will be to write a book. But writing a book, I mean, I know, Ro, you've written a few. It's, it's a big task. It takes a long time. And I think so many people, I, I believe most people do have a book in them. But actually sitting down and getting that on paper is tough. And I've talked to so many people who have told me, like, oh, yeah, I'm going to write a book. I'm going to write a book. I'm going to write a book. And they never start because it's such a big task. So while writing an ebook is fantastic, it's an absolutely great uh, kind of starter offer. It's a good way to start um, generating revenue online. It's also too much of an ask to just tell somebody, oh, go and write a book, because that's a lot of work. So while that is the traditional route, it's not something I particularly recommend. So Hans knows this as well. My favorite format for creating, for putting knowledge and information out into the world is video, simply because it is fast. It's considered high value, so people will actually pay more for a video than they will for an ebook, even though it takes you less time, less money, and less effort to create. It has a higher perceived value than the written word nowadays. And it's also just the most engaging format online. It's much easier to keep somebody's attention using video than it is with a text based ebook. Right. And there's another final point which is which is worth mentioning regarding video which don't want to overcomplicate it or get too uh, create an overwhelm feeling however that kind of media has the greatest density so if you look at a video compared to a book what you have within a video is a video file an audio file and a text file now if you compare that to just a book at this stage anyway what you just have is a text file so the density and the and the power in which you can use that single piece of media multiple times changes drastically. So myself and Kyle are always for video first. And we're not, this is not a discussion about whether being an author or being a book writer is not as good as a video producer. That's not the discussion here. This is if you are wanting to start to share your knowledge and information about what you have within you as an expert and as a professional or as a creative expert, then the video format is the best place to start. To quickly clarify there on the information density, when Harm says that a video file has video, audio and text, the reason for that is that we can can repurpose the content. So if we start off with a video file with me talking and delivering information, delivering expertise, then we have that. We have a video file, it has an image on it and it has um, he talked about that. That's one asset. Then we can strip away the video and then we are left with the audio file. That audio file can become a podcast. It can become an audio book, become an audio product of some kind, just without the image attached to it. And then we can also take that audio file and we can have it transcribed. And this can be done by computers or by human beings. Um, we can have it transcribed into text. So we've gone all the way from video, me talking to a camera to audio only, so removing the camera portion, and then taking that audio file and removing the text content from it by transcribing. Okay. So video is just a lot more information dense than any other format. And for anybody listening, if you followed any of my content online over the last months or so, you'll see that that's exactly the system that, that Kyle and Harmindra have driven my model down, and I didn't do that before. So 
produced a lot of video. The team have worked avidly in the background and the term repurpose is giving it another purpose. So we've seen it in blogs now. There's content emerging. There's written documents, articles, audios. So everything that you're describing there is what you've been doing with my particular brand. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. So if somebody wants an example of what does that look like in, in real life, then yeah, absolutely check out Rose Continent Information because that will show you. Now, I just want to take a step back because one of the challenges that somebody may face at this point in time is, well, how do I make money from this? How do I actually, you're, you're talking about creating video, a digital product, an informational product. That's fantastic. But how do I make money from this? So Carl, I was wondering if you could just expand on a system that we teach. So what we spoke about today is very much the focus that online business is a business. Now, what we teaches a system called baton so i was wondering if you could just explain to listeners what that is and how that helps somebody build an online business whether it's an expert business whether they got a product whether they got an idea because creating this system that you're talking about for an expert is great and they can i recommend they start doing that and if they want the end-to-end guide on that specifically like carl mentioned i think from time of recording about episode Look for episode number 10 of the BBO show, and we talk about this in detail. But I'm wondering if you can just expand on this system that we call Baton, um, because I think that will will leave the listeners with a real understanding of how does an online business work end to end. Absolutely. So Baton is a framework um, that we created. We use it with our own businesses, with client businesses, and we also teach it on the BBO show and soon a series of ebooks that we're putting together. Baton, as in passing the baton, it's B-A-T-O-N, and in order, that stands for business, audience, tribe, offer, and network. You'll notice that it starts with business, and as you've probably heard me mention a few times, online business is just business. We need to start with that business foundation before we worry about what tools and techniques we're going to be using. We need to work out what our value add is, what product and services we're going to be creating, and who our market is. So we need product market fit before we start worrying about any of the technical issues that has to be done first. So we teach a variety of ways to make sure there is a market. There are ways to verify this. Thankfully, there's a lot of information online so we can get this information very easily. So that's business, making sure there is a market for the product that we are going to create. The next stage in the framework is audience or A. That is when we start to tell the world about what it is that we have, um, what our value is. We start to put it out into the world at this point entirely for free. The reason for this is the internet's an extremely busy place. And if you just try to sell to somebody immediately, it doesn't work. There are, I forget the statistics, but there's tens of thousands of new websites appearing every single day. And the number of text message, sorry, no, um, number of Twitter messages and Facebook messages is up in the hundreds of millions. It's just a very noisy environment. And the only way we can start to cut through that is by providing value for free using social media, using blogs, using podcasts, various different outlets in order to start getting our message heard. So that's so just to press a pause there. This area audience we have to spend a lot of time with clients on because the urges, like you mentioned, is to go directly and start to sell. So the first interaction, say you've got a new idea, the first interaction typically, and I'd be interested to know what your thoughts here, Ro, in 
what you perceived traditional businesses to do where the the instinct is I've got an idea I've got the product ready now I'm going to sell it to the marketplace immediately now what we're saying is look don't sell it to the marketplace immediately first creates an audience attract an audience's attention around your idea your topic and the technique Carl is mentioning is to start to produce free valuable information and content in order to attract that audience's attention in order to cut through the noise out there yeah i mean just jumping in so i struggle with this if you remember at the beginning because coming from that traditional background particularly older generation i'm just used to okay here's a product right, let's go sell it and uh, so it's straight to customer put it in their hands, let them feel it, touch it and get an experience of it. Know that there's massive value in it. So we've got an exchange of service here, money for a value. But where I was being naive and for anyone listening, I do understand it, particularly if you're of an older generation making this transition. It's like it needs to happen now. It needs to happen now. So I had to step back and understand this process because a lot of the sales that I was making up until then are with customers that I'd built a relationship with over years. And it was only by reflecting on what Kyle and Harminder were telling me was that you know, but you're looking into new markets, you've got new products and you're wanting to expand. That means new customers. And these are customers that don't know you. So the whole concept that they're describing here is you're building this funnel to bring customers in and you're looking at a lifetime value of a customer, not just an initial sale. So it was about building up the trust, how many points of contact with them, how many points of value are they getting before they're ready to buy and don't go selling them a big product first, sell them something slightly cheaper or even free to start with. So they start to realize that you're not going anywhere. You're staying in the game. You've got lots of value. And that means you're going to have to allow this incubation period to occur. And for me, once I got over that, I was fine. But if anyone's listening to this and you're just ready to get going and generate revenue, it's not going to happen like that. And this is where the get rich quick scheme thing kicks in where people go, okay, fuck that. I'm going to go and find someone that can get me value and sales straight away. Well, you might get a few sales, but you won't get longevity of customers and you certainly won't build up a, a big customer base. That's my understanding of being around this now for a few years. Is that uh, is that a good summary from an older guy? <laughs> Um, yeah, that's correct. You can jump straight to the sales. It's just going to cost a lot per sale. All oh, right. Yes. Okay. Yeah. There's so disadvantages to it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it just, yeah, it's yeah. just going to cost. So if you are a Nike or a Coca-Cola, you, you have the cash correct. to yeah. push forward on that kind of, um, on that front. Massive but, campaigns they would be, wouldn't they? Yeah. Yeah. You millions and millions um, to get out to the people and that works. That's fine. We're talking about starting from scratch. Um, people don't know who we are. We're putting new value into the world, reaching new customers as you, sorry, new audience members, as you just mentioned. And for anybody who's thinking, well, it sounds like a lot of work. The flip side here is that you can take this global, depending on your product, depending on your market, um, but it can be a lot wider and a lot larger than any traditional um, market you were working with before. So if previously you were running a shop, um, you were serving your local area. Suddenly, if you go online and you manage to build up this, um, this goodwill and this awareness of what you do, then you can be selling nationwide or potentially even globally. So there are more customers online, but because of the sheer volume of information online, we need to provide this free value or this low cost value up front in order to build this trust in order to build up goodwill before we get to the sale so as, as you heard from kyle he's sitting in canary wharf in an empty uh, surrounded by empty skyscrapers and he's making sales from the us today and and tomorrow it may be china so that's an example of what kyle means as an end destination there 
because it is global. So that's the advantage, certainly. Mm. Today was Israel, actually, which is unusual. It's normally America, but yes, it can be anywhere in the world. Interesting. Interesting. Now we, so let's assume that somebody's now attracted the audience's attention. They put some great value out there. They started to cut through some of the noise and also differentiated themselves from people who are just direct selling. That's, that's really what we want people to do here. What's the next stage of the baton system? So after we have covered B and A, that's business and audience, we move into tribe. This is T. We're borrowing the concept of tribe from a marketer called Seth Godin. Um, he's written a number of books which are really great, including the book Tribes. The basic idea here is we are starting to draw towards us the people who really care about what it is we do. So in the audience section, we might be talking to a million people. We might be talking to 50 million people. The vast majority of those people are not going to care about what it is we do, or they're not going to care enough for us to worry about escalating them and bringing them towards a sale. And that's fine because the Internet's an extremely large place and we can talk to millions or hundreds of millions of people relatively simply. The tribe are the group, the smaller group of 1,000, 2,000, 10,000, 50,000, however many people who have opted in and said to us in some way, okay, I am interested in what you do. I want to hear more. Tell me more. Give me more. So we start to escalate people. We start to build more and more trust and goodwill as we start to go towards the sale. Um, so what we do in the tribe stage is a little bit different to the audience stage. It becomes more personalized. It becomes uh, higher touch, higher access to you as the expert and you and your brand. And then from the tribe, we're going to be moving into the next stage, which is offer. That's fantastic. That makes sense. Now, I just wanted to to shift the question over to Ro here, which is one of the challenges I know myself and Kyle have faced when we teach this concept to people mm-hmm. is the online world has what I can describe as rejection on steroids. Because what Carl said there was, look, when we are sifting, or when we are sorting people who don't care about us to people who do care about us, mm. there's a lot of people online who just don't care about you, what you have to say, they haven't got the time of day for you. They're also going to comment, they may may rudely comment, you know, and that's, that's a reality of online. Do you have any advice for people who maybe want to start this and one of the challenges they will have is dealing with the fact that one of the things we teach is let's go for an an audience size of a million first then let's get that audience size down to even as small as a thousand if we can get a thousand people who really care about us then we are in a winning successful place but that means I'm not going to do the sums there, but it means there's 900, 1,000 who people don't like you. who just don't like you, <laughs> don't care about you. They just th- wish you never appeared on their newsfeed. So I think it's, they don't actively dislike you. It's just most people don't care. You, you're not showing up in their radar, really. Or they're going to see you, but they have other things they're doing. Um, there's going to be a small minority who do react negatively, but the vast majority is going to be it's just not not interested correct but from a psychological point say say for example i'm excited i'm putting out my free content and i've been doing this for months and nobody cares so it's just dealing with that because well you mentioned the word consistency and one of the things that you're gonna have to battle through is this moment so just wondering if you can share into that space which is what i'm calling rejection on steroids Uh, it, it might be softer than a hard no but it's still there 
I'm reading a book on trading at the moment and the book is actually focused on psychology and it talks about it doesn't matter how many technical tools you have, how many strategies, how many indicators you use when you're trading the markets. Most people look and try and expand their knowledge to have so many tools. They're not going to fail, but the market does what the market wants to do. The main challenge people have is their fear of failure, their fear of loss, their fear of rejection in business. But in the stock market, it's being rejected by the stock market. So you can translate that across every business. Here, my experience has been as a professional speaker, but also now going online for several years, is that you do get comments. We get it on Facebook. We get people make little snidey comments. You get these internet trolls that will troll around and look for stuff and then make a comment on what you're saying. If you talk to a thousand people, there is statistically going to be a percentage of people that, as Carl said, are indifferent. There'll be another percentage of people that are sat there on their phones because you're in front of them as an audience, but they're trying to pick up on uh, something that's happening at home. Translate that to the world out there where people are in their phone, on their phones, in the cars, on a train station, waiting for a train, sat at home, sat in the lounge, at work, and you're popping up there with your content, be it free, for example, to start with. They might watch it for a couple of minutes and duck out. They might watch it for 10 minutes. You'd be lucky if they watch it for 10 minutes. And <laughs> and they're going to comment. If they like it, great. If they don't, great. One thing that I learned years ago from Dr. Wayne Dyer is if you're standing in front of an audience, if, they, if there's people in the audience that really dislike you, great. That's their problem. If there's people in the audience that really like you, great. That's their problem. <laughs> you just have to accept that we're in the business of sharing and not everybody relates to your subject, to your tonality, to your personality, to your nature, to your look, to the feel of you as a person. And that's why business is what it is around the world. Some businesses thrive because of one individual. Other businesses thrive because although the individual running the business isn't particularly likable, the product is amazing. And I guess your skill is to develop an approach to, first of all, be resilient to the rejection, accept that it's part of doing business, and allow yourself to just get the message out there. And as you said already, Harminda, work on the basis of statistics. I mean, I've asked the question before and, I, and the team look after my, my social media accounts and I can see it growing. I can see the number of followers growing. And occasionally I'll say, oh, I noticed it's flattened off for a bit and then it's suddenly gone up again. And they'll say, yeah, but that's just the nature of how it is. Don't get worried about it, Ro. Just keep doing what you're doing. And if enough people start to share it, there's a there's a trigger effect. There's there's this tipping point where more and more people are sharing your product, your service, your value out there. So the main thing I would say is just get over yourself. <laughs> <That'll be it. laughs> yeah. And then firing back to Carl, which is if somebody takes what you've said at the introduction of Tribe and what Rose said there, ultimately what we're looking for, and just let me know if you agree with this, we're trying to get rid of the people who don't care and we want the people we want to narrow down those people who do care about what we're talking about. That's essentially what we're what we're looking for in the tribe section. Correct. So we're going from that million people in the audience section to about a thousand people. We're asking people to opt in or to self-select in some way. Um, and there's many technical ways we could do this. And that's beyond the scope of this call for sure. But the point is that they are coming into this smaller safer space where you are able to communicate with them more freely to offer more value whether that's products services and to escalate them to a sale if you were just to take that sale to a million people one it's going to cost a lot of money uh, to do so because you'd have to advertise and two you're going to get even more angry rejection um, so what we're doing is just filtering out the people who don't care and the people who are negative towards us and then focusing on the people who do care and are interested in what we do. And it makes selling, which we're moving on to next, extremely easy at this point. 
Okay, fantastic. So talk to us about the selling part of the Baton model. Yep. Baton, the fourth part, so business, audience, tribe, and offer. We are moving into sales when we move into offer. And the one of the most powerful tools in online business and offline business, arguably, is the sales funnel. It's the ability to escalate people from a low-cost product to a medium cost, to a core product, to a premium offer. And this is much easier to do online because we have so much information about what people have purchased. And we can see purchase histories, for example, and we can use that to tailor our marketing to almost on an individual basis to escalate people up this value chain. It's important to start with low cost offers because again, online is very busy and we need to win that trust. Um, We've been winning that trust using free content both in the audience section and in tribe. But now when we're asking people to open their wallet for the first time for a, let's say a five pound checklist or five pound resource pack, this is where we really need to over deliver and get people on board with paying, paying for our goods. And in terms of what we're offering, there are so many different things. Talked about eBooks previously. This is the kind of thing we cover in BBO show because really there are I mean, countless types of different products. It could be physical, it could be service-based, it could be digital products. Uh, We personally prefer to work with digital products because, as I said, the profit margins are huge. Uh, Delivery logistics is extremely simple. There's no warehousing, no inventory, uh, no shipping, no fulfillment, nothing like that. It's just uh, people decide to purchase and they receive their good. So we tend to suggest you start here with offers, but you could start to integrate in, you know, Amazon sales or physical goods um, or your consultancy work, for example, depending on what your business model is. But this is where we start to make the sale in offer after we've already built up all of this goodwill and trust in ourselves and our brand. Just on that note, Kyle, I know for me, when you sat down with me, and I'll use me as an example, but people listening will have different backgrounds, experiences. Uh, One of the challenges in my mind was what am I offering? Because I had such a broad offering of tools and a lot of my stuff ranges from audio products through to ebook stroke video content and it's knowing what to position first are there any guidelines there because i'm sure if anyone's listening who's in a younger generation you might be thinking well what could i offer whereas you might be sitting listening to 40 45 50 you've been in your profession your business for a while and you're thinking oh my god i've got a shitload of stuff here where do i start are there any pointers on that to simplify and narrow down so that we're not too much of a jack of all trades right up front Absolutely. So we actually set this up in the business section of Baton, like early on, where we're deciding what is the value we're going to be providing. So generally, I mean, this is a a bit of blanket statement, but generally with a business, we are trying to solve somebody's problem. Um, Maybe they want to lose weight. Maybe they want to earn more money. Maybe whatever it is that they have a problem. And as a business, we can help them to solve that problem. Yeah. If it is an expert business, for example, we use our expertise to guide people uh, through their particular problem, through ebooks, through courses, through consulting sessions, etc., etc. If we are selling them products, then that product will also solve that problem. So in the business section of Baton, we we really drill down and define what that problem is and how it is we're going to solve that problem for this group of people, for this market. Um, And this should be the core, the spine of the content we're putting out 
uh, in the audience section, the content we're putting out in the tribe section, and then the offer is going to be a logical extension of that. The products that we sell are going to be a logical extension of, okay, how do you solve this problem? So as long as you have that question answered in the business section of our framework, it's relatively simple to work out what the products are. Yeah. Harms, whilst we're on this, because this is a great example of what we have done to some extent with growth tribes, do you want to just elaborate a little bit on some of these elements that Kyle's talking about in reference to the growth tribes, for example, the tribe, the vault, etc.? Okay, that, that's, a, that, that's great. So let's lo- use a live example and, and an experience that the listeners are going through right now. So let's put this into the context of Baton, right? So the, the business model here within the Baton system is we're providing a home of personal development we're providing information we're we're solving problems around topics that people face whether it's health wealth relationships and happiness purpose all of these elements that people are facing out in the world and we're taking with the approach that we're taking is we're taking somebody younger and we're taking somebody from an elder generation. So two different generations voices to talk into that space because we have two different viewpoints. And by doing that, we can talk to two different audiences that both understand us. So Rose got some incredible experience that I don't, but I've got a different viewpoint of the world that he may have grown up in. So that's the business model that we're operating in now. What's one of our mechanisms in order to attract an audience's attention? Well, actually, the podcast you're listening to is that it's highly valuable. It's actionable. It is easily digestible, has very low overheads once it's produced. So, yes, it takes us time to research, talk about the preparation and actually host the podcast. But once it's out into the world, it does not cost us money every time somebody listens to the podcast. That's very, very powerful. Now, the next stage from this would be our first offering. So this is when a listener may say, look, you guys are fantastic. We trust you. We like you. I want to delve deeper into that episode that you spoke about on time management, or I want to delve deeper on the episode you spoke about purpose. Well, to help solve that problem and to serve you as a customer, we have the next level on our online business value ladder as such which is a digital course, which is maybe a six-part, five-part, seven-part video series, which Zoro has put together to help guide you through that program. Now, that's the first element. You can purchase one individual program. Now, the next level from that is purchasing all of the programs as part of a subscription service. So that subscription service is £27 a month and you're going to have access to the Growth Tribes Vault. And this vault is everything from purpose, time management, values, making money via real estate, understanding how to communicate with impact, everything. Everything you will need in your life to just become a greater, better person and to solve some of the challenges you may face right now that's the space to be. And what comes alongside that is a private Facebook group with like-minded people. So hopefully that makes sense to the listener. If you're thinking, I've got some products, I've got an expert, I've got an expert business, I've got some information that I would like to share. Think about, you could even use a very similar model that we're using within the Growth Tribes uh, ecosystem to help structure and develop your own product in that realm. Mm. So hopefully that makes sense. Would that be a typical 
value ladder in an online business world? Absolutely, yeah. That's a, a purely digital ladder as well, which we like. I do want to jump in and talk about the fact that some people might be listening to this thinking, well, why haven't they talked about setting up a website or doing SEO? Ah, or any yeah, technical? yeah. So we, we have touched on a lot of these subjects, but the, the answer here is that there are so many technical aspects we could have talked about and we don't want to talk about these on purpose. So we'd, we want to give you this framework um, that we're working through now, the Business Audience Tribe Offer Network, so that you can start to think about what value and what business you can bring online. Um, and we just gave you an example of a real business. Your structure may look like that or it may not. It's going to depend entirely on what value you're creating and which market you are serving. So yes, Arms, that's a that I would say that's a very classic online business structure we've just displayed. Uh, we've just talked, or you've just talked about, but that's not necessarily going to be what's going to work for everybody else. Mm, um, absolutely. So that's a great question, Ro, and and hopefully that makes sense by using that example. And one of the final advantages I just wanted to mention as part of the concept of having a digital product and leveraging the online world and creating your product online is something which is almost glaring us in the face with the coronavirus and the COVID-19 situation is that we can now move away and we can still make sales without an over-reliance of a face-to-face interaction. So yeah. that's that's a big one because that's if you can learn these tools that Carl is talking about today, you can then pivot into a direction where your business is hedged against anything like this again. And I, you know, it may not may not be the last time. This we don't know how long this is going to go on for. There may be peaks, and there may be times where we can leave the house, times where we have to remain at home in almost monthly basis. We genuinely don't know until it's announced. So learning this early on will remove the over-reliance of face-to-face. What's your opinion on that, Ro? Because a lot of the the revenue you generated and a lot of the business you've done in terms of interventional coaching, speaking to audiences of 300,000 people, audiences, and that's all done face-to-face. What's your thoughts on that? I think it's something that we're, particularly the older generation, are going to have to accept that we're old school, you know, handshake, which right now doesn't happen at all. And meeting somebody and being able to, particularly in the world I'm in, is being close up and seeing them whilst I'm coaching, working with them, mentoring them, reading their face, getting a sense of what they do. But equally, as Carl experienced recently, you know, he, he came on to the Growth Tribes and we did a coaching session. We just did one this week with somebody else where we do these live coaching sessions with people. The Internet gives us the ability now. Now, the biggest challenge, and I'd be interested to see if you, both of you agree with this, is that people have this hang up. They'll, they'll do a selfie on their phone, but they won't go on the phone and allow themselves to be filmed, videoed or sit in front of a camera and do something for the Internet, for an online product. They seem to struggle with that. And I think what this has done, this current situation with COVID, it's forced people into the realm of, OK, let me get in front of the camera. Let me speak. And I'm watching. It's quite interesting because I'm watching live presentations where people are either on Zoom or they're on. There's a property Facebook group where I've been watching a few of the the trainers and speakers presenting. And it's quite interesting because people are sat on their couches. They're sat back, chilled out. Their faces overgrown with hair or whatever. (laughs) You know, the, the whole idea of it has to look perfect. You have to look perfect and be perfect in this space. 
I think that's changed as a result of this situation with COVID. I'm seeing some major celebrities that we're used to seeing out there, polished out on TV, um, doing some cracking stuff online now. Now, I know that's slightly different to what we're talking about. But what I mean is that the barrier that was there before, the psychological barrier about getting on and doing something digitally, recording something or videoing something, is slowly being stripped away. And I think what that will do is it will open up people to the opportunity but also to be receptive to saying okay i can create something i can sit down with this microphone in front of me and talk in a certain way and this is where communicating with impact comes in so importantly is learning the the structure of how to present how to get your message across clearly as kyle's done today and at the same time knowing what amount of value to give so that that product is the appropriate product for that part of the funnel now i'll talk back into the space and ask kyle this question because my challenge at the beginning kyle was giving almost too much value too soon wasn't it so it was producing too much at an early stage and then we had to step back and say well hold on a minute some of this content is value content that should be sold at a higher price so for those of you listening You've got to get over yourself and say, okay, business is changing. I can do stuff online. I can coach. I can talk to clients. I can interact. I can produce something. And it might be that that product that I'm producing gives a certain value to a certain point, but you have to accept that. Whereas my block was, no, no, but I need to make sure they can do this and I can need to make sure they can do this. And Kyle and, and Harminda were saying to me, that's correct, but that you've got to look at when at what stage. If this was real business, they might have come into the shop five times to look at the garment before buying it. They might have tried it on two times. They might have taken a picture. You might have helped them fit the garment and then they've gone away. And on the sixth or seventh time, they decided to buy it. That's no different to this business. We're giving them lots of free content, building up the value to a point when they're ready to buy. I don't know if I've summarized that correctly, but that's kind of my take on that. I've answered your question. I kind of went off on a tangent there. (laughs) Uh, So, yeah, interesting to hear Carl's thoughts on that. That's exactly right. Um, I talked uh, much earlier in the episode about how people tend to rush off and write an ebook or write a book. Yeah. Um, people tend to want to over deliver or create something of massive value right up front. Value is incredibly important. You absolutely should. But that value needs to be consumable by the people who are tuning in for the first time. Like you say, I might browse a shop a handful of times. I'm not going to immediately book into a, a fitting for a suit. That's too much commitment initially. So we want the first touch points with audience members and even tribe members or and even into our sales. We need them to be smaller goods or smaller content pieces which can be consumed and they are immediately actionable. If you deliver a full 300-page book to somebody as a freebie um, in exchange for their email, what's going to happen to that book? It's going to sit on their telephone or sit on their computer and it's not going to get read. We need something which allows people to access um, the value, to consume that value and to then be drawn along to to these more in-depth versions that you, you, you've been delivering. Yeah, makes sense. Fantastic. So the next element, final element of the baton system, after we've offered, what would that be, Kyle? Sure. So once we've worked out a profitable, so not just revenue generating, but a profitable structure based on business, audience, tribe and offer. Once we know we can get people into that funnel, get people into that framework and generate a profit from it, then and only then will we start to scale up. And that's what N is. N stands for network. In our lessons, we talk about different ways you can scale, whether that's bringing more people into the funnel, so more new people, or selling 
more goods and more services to the same people within the funnel. They're the two basic ways to scale up. Fantastic. And, you know, if you're listening to this, that shouldn't be the focus right now. It's great to have the big dream and the vision of this, but the work will come from firstly identifying what problem you're solving, then attracting an audience's attention, then forming a tribe and sifting out the people who don't care to the people who do care, then starting to present them with an early offer. Now, that's fantastic. So I think that's, if that was, if listeners at home thinking, okay, how do I approach an online business? I would say that's the system to have locked into your mind. If you write the words bat on down, business, audience, tribe, offer, network, if you can put an idea into that system, that is how you create an online business. And within each of those elements or those components will be the tools and techniques. But you only worry about those tools and techniques once you know exactly the process. You don't go and do five techniques at one time. You would start with one and experiment. Would you agree with that, Kyle? Absolutely. It's really about that core question of who you're helping and what are you helping them to do. I find a really useful mental exercise to do is to imagine you are meeting recent graduate, somebody who's just come out of college or university or, or school or whatever it is, and they want to become or they want to do what you do. They look up to you and um, they want to do what you do one day. If you sat down with them for a coffee for an hour and you kind of outlined step by step how they would do that, depending on what your expertise is, depending on what your knowledge or skills are, this is going to be a different discussion, obviously. But how would you turn that one hour coffee chat with a young, bright eyed graduate? How would you turn that into some form of product and service based around your expertise. That is a really useful question for starting an initial uh, online business. You can sell products, etc., off the back of that, um, but first we need to work out what that value is that you're creating. And this is a useful exercise for doing so. Great. Ro, have you got anything to add here before I f- move on to the final couple of questions for Kyle? What I like about this whole baton approach is that. If you're listening to this at the moment and you've already got a business idea in your head, you should be able to start to drop some of those thoughts into these different components. There's definitely going to be gaps where you go, okay, but I'm not sure how to do that. I'm not sure how to do that. I suspect, Kyle, just, you know, I've been through this process and heard you talk about it many times, both in front of an audience, but also to me when I first sat down with you both. For the average person listening to this, they're probably fairly clear in their heads of what may be the front end of it the B, but the rest of it is where the mis- <laughs> the mystery comes in on knowing how to, to start to integrate everything into that. Would that be correct? Would, would, uh, generally, is it is it the front end that people are more equipped to, to handle answers on that? So I think a lot of people might believe they've nailed down the front end, but under... <laughs> Yeah, under, under scrutiny or rigorous inspection, often there are holes there. And right. ultimately, that's the part that needs to be nailed down. The rest yeah. of it, um, getting your message out, getting people to care about your message, making sales, that's important. And that's, yes, where we do the mystical online stuff. But if you haven't nailed down the business part, mm-hmm. if you haven't nailed down your market and your product, it doesn't matter how fancy your tools are, you won't be able to build a business. Um, no. So, yes, a lot of people might think, yep, I know what the business is, but you need to have that backed up. Um, and you, you really, you don't know if a business idea is going to work until it makes contact with the customer for the first time. Right. Uh, mm. So many people who have had a business idea for years and years and years and never moved on it. And then somebody else will do something similar and they'll complain to me like, oh, somebody stole my idea. It's like, well, no, the, 
the idea is nothing, it's the implementation. And the baton system is a framework for implementation um, from that business idea that you have. And I guess what I'd add is to anyone listening to this, you've got to be patient. And as Kyle said already, this is a process of you are building a business. If you're starting any business, you still have to go through this process of planning. So be mindful of this concept of jumping onto a get rich type model and applying a component of this or a tool, as we heard earlier on in the podcast, where we talked about, I don't know, I'm using Facebook marketing to attract more listeners, etc. That is a tool in this whole process. It is not the process. And I think that's the distinction that a lot of people make the mistake of. They see something online and think, oh, great, that's how I'm going to get my, my business going. And they just go and apply that one tool where what you've got is a business model, a system here of which one of those tools will fit into this system. I think that's that's very clear to me that's very clear from listening to you today correct if you think about it in the the real world um the in the physical the idea of physical business if somebody came to you and you wanted to set up a physical business a a, a traditional business and somebody came to you selling their services as let's say for example a bookkeeper mm -hmm. and they said okay this is all you need now your business is going to be a great success you'd think, well, no, that's crazy. It's just a bookkeeper. What's my business? I know no other components of uh, what it is I'm going to be producing or selling or who I'm going to be selling it to. A bookkeeper is a tool, a, an extremely useful tool, but just a tool. It's not the whole business. We tend to mix up the process and the tools in online business, um, whereas we don't do that in traditional business. We know the demarcation a lot more. Yeah, absolutely. So that that actually bridges nicely to the the second from last question which is look, we've spoken about creating a business and that's going to take time but once it's created that you've heard the potential that it can generate revenue again and again it can be generating revenue whilst you sleep from anywhere in the world and that's an extremely powerful concept so bearing in mind the current climate because people are being forced into change for safety reasons very quickly and one side is creating a business and that's going to take some time, but it's it's going to feed you. It's going to produce cash like a business. But we've got a gift for people, Carl. I'm just wondering if you can expand on that, which is right now people are working from home or people are being first, they're furloughed. They may have lost their job and they are at home. They've got access to Wi-Fi and they've got access to a computer and a laptop. What are some ways that people can actually leverage online to generate cash? And just to give you a warning, listening at home, this is not a get rich quick scheme. This is legitimate ways to generate cash online, which, you know, they're not going to make you two, three, four, five, six thousand pounds a month. But what they will do is bring you cash in when you need it the most. So, Carl, could you expand on this gift that we've got for people? Absolutely. So as you mentioned, it's a strange time for everybody and it's not unusual um, if you need to make a bit of extra cash for whatever reason it is. Um, so last week or two weeks ago, I sat down and I started to research all of the different ways you can make money online come under various names like work from home or remote work. Um, but I've pulled together this mega list of, I believe now around 250 different options. Fantastic. different ways to, to, to make money online. And I filtered out a lot of the rubbish. So there are many get-rich-quick schemes uh, online. There are a few different ways which will make money but are 
I found a bit ethically dubious, so I also removed them, uh, especially things, things like do, gambling, right? Yeah, yeah, matched betting, etc. Um, things that could be potentially dangerous if you have a tendency to fall into a gambling um, habit. So I removed them. Um, and what I was left with was around 250 different options uh, categorized by having no particular skills, so anybody can do them, having the skill of the English language, so that's uh, things like teaching English, transcription, or freelance writing, having professional skills. And so I've found ways for you to monetize various different professional skills online. And finally, having creative skills, again, different ways to monetize creative skills, whether that's music, drawing, design, graphics, there are different ways to make cash online using that. Fantastic. And uh, just to give you some context, again, this is not, these won't be creating an online business, but what these will do is, is allow you to leverage the power of the online world and generate cash through businesses that already exist online and through various mechanisms. Some require your time, some require very little time, and actually some can work passively. Um, So some fantastic list there. And I'll just mention to the listeners where you can find this. What I'll do is I'll pop this in the show notes, which will be growthtribes.com forward slash podcast. And on the show notes will be two links for you to get this list or get access to these items. And it'll be readily available uh, after you listen to this podcast. So number one is the link will take you to a website directory. So there's a a website uh, link and it's got a directory of all of these items which we put together. Now, if you prefer a bit of explanation around all those items, then we've just published a extremely low cost. I mean, it's probably a couple of dollars ebook which is a guide which actually talks about those four categories in a bit more detail no skill english language professional skill and creative skill and then gives you the top websites within each category to start exploring so that so you've got a website link where there's a directory but also you're going to have an ebook available if you would like us to if you would like to read a bit of a description of each category because we give you a bit of guidance there as well so that's two places to find that that gift of 250 different ways to generate income online from home via your laptop. And they'll both be in the show notes at growthtribes.com forward slash podcast. That's fantastic. Really, I mean, much appreciated that that's being shared here. And it's it's literally hot off the press. So it's it's perfect timing for people as we are going to be in lockdown for weeks, if not months still ahead. Certainly in those of you listening, different depending on what country you're in. What, one of the things that we do when we're wrapping up our podcast is we always either if it's myself and Harminder like to offer some suggestions to our listeners Kyle but if we have a guest in which we have obviously today with yourself it's to say to our guest are there any specific actions that you'd suggest that someone could take now who's interested in starting an online business and and also do you have any final messages that you'd like to share with with our listeners yeah I know this is a tricky time for for people but I'm hoping now that some of us not all of us obviously but some of us have some extra time to create i'm hoping that we can come out of this with a different perspective on life hopefully a more caring one towards one another Um, but also there are increasingly arguments for not going back into the daily nine to five whether it's starting your own business or uh, working from home if and still retaining a job or starting an online business. There are different things you can be exploring during this time, which means when we do return to the everyday, um, there can be adjustments that can be made. So I, I'm optimistically 
hopeful about what's going to happen after after this whole lockdown. Um, mm. An online business, obviously, I'm biased. It's it's one pathway that you could explore. But I'm hoping, even if this is of no interest to you, that you are looking at different things, different methods, and different ways to structure your life moving forward, which do allow you to spend more time, you know, at home with your kids, doing what you like, um, following passions. I think that would be a really positive outcome of this whole really horrible situation. And in terms of people wanting to start their business, mm. what things could they be doing now as actions at this stage? Absolutely. I think the first thing is working out what value it is that you can offer to the world. Uh, what is it that you can create which is going to help people? I think that is the starting point. So rather than me giving you a list of technical things that you should be looking into or skills that you should be learning, it's the core is going to be that deep dive of what value can I create what value can I put out there that's going to make the world better, which, yes, I will be turning into a product, um, but it has to start from that place of value first. That's great. And I think that's something that's come out a lot from the whole of this interview with you is is if, if someone can understand what they've got inside them and start to think about how that could be packaged up. I mean, if you're listening to this and you've been in business for 5, 10, 15, 20 years, you'll know the typical questions, the, the typical challenges, the typical problems and the things that you've had to solve. So reverse engineer that and think about what you would need to offer in terms of value to help people solve those problems. I think that's a good starting point. Mm-hmm. For anyone it's going to be listening. the same same questions again and again and again. You've answered them, uh, you know, dozens or hundreds of times. So creating a a more permanent version of that answer, whether it's a book, whether it's a course, it's, it's a very simple way to produce a product. Yeah, absolutely. So look, thank you so much. I'm going to hand you back to Harminder because he always uh, does a nice wrap on our podcast. But on a personal level, you know, I'm, I'm really glad we got you on today because it is definitely a subject that people need to hear. I think you've given us a nice level approach to this, given us an indication of what's achievable, but you haven't oversold it. But at the same time, you've made people realize that it is a practical approach that they can do in a logical way as long as they're prepared to stay in the game and start creating value. Um, and thank you for your free offerings as well. And I know we're going to have a load of stuff in the show notes so kyle much appreciated thank you thanks for having me amazing thank you so today you've heard from kyle someone in his 20s who traveled from china to nepal in the craziest way possible whilst making more money from his online business so that's a that's a one extreme of what is possible with an online business and kyle has shared with us what an online business is he's busted some myths about it He shared with us a system called the Baton System framework in which you can apply any online business, which is amazing. And also shared with us the research that he's done, which is a big list of 250 different ways to generate income online. Now, if you're interested in the BBO show and learning more about this and listening to myself on Kyle, if you're interested in that list, if you're interested in the ebook, all of that will be the show notes at growthtribes.com forward slash podcast. So from myself and Roe, thank you massively, Kyle. And to all the listeners at home, we'll see you on the next episode. Hello, it's Dr. Roe here. Harms and I would both like to personally thank you for taking the time to listen to this episode of Growth Tribes. And if you've gained just one insight, something positive that you're able to use on a personal level, on a professional level, to help your life, maybe even other people's lives, then we'd love it if you could take action on one of the following things. You can either simply subscribe so you don't miss out on any other great insights coming up in the future, 
You can share this podcast with close friends so they can also get the benefits of the tips and tools that we're sharing. Or it would be amazing if you could give us a review and let others know just how great this episode was. And finally, if you do have a question, don't forget to submit it on growthtribes.com forward slash podcast. Thank you again for listening. This is Dr. Rowan Harm signing out and we'll see you again on the next podcast. Bye.